Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We are back. Going to do two trade deadline division previews, starting with the Atlantic. Then we're going to get to the Northwest after that. We're sponsored today by our friends at, at Helix Sleep. HelixSleep.com slash Capspace is your URL to get $50 towards your custom mattress and sleep on the same bed that I do. Well, not exactly the same, same brand, because you can customize it for yourself. Let's start with the Boston Celtics here. They use Capspace, obviously, in the offseason, but added with the room exception Aaron Baines and a few other salaries as well so they find themselves 9.3 million dollars below the tax also have an open roster slot uh let's take a look though at just kind of what they need as a team I think that's the place to start here yeah, and it's interesting because what they need for right now is a little bit different than next year because I think it would be good to add another perimeter player who can be a part of their second unit. And theoretically, if they're adding Gordon Hayward and not really losing anything because they have all these guys under contract for next year, that player would be less essential next year. But that kind of makes sense with the disabled player exception because that player has to be on an expiring contract. So I would say you could either go the playmaking route or the shooting route. I'm still not a not completely sold on the Rozier smart combo in the playoffs I think that those guys are both talented but there I don't think they can necessarily be the foundation of a reliable offense but shooting would help too because it would just give those guys more space to operate yeah and that disabled player exception everyone will recall that they got that because Gordon Hayward got injured what you can do with that disabled player exception it is worth 8.4 million dollars and you can either sign a player up to 8.4 million for one year or you may trade for a player in the last year of his contract and there obviously has been a lot of speculation around what they could do with that now of course you still have to give some assets up if you're trading for someone but yeah i mean i think pretty clearly the two needs are more shooting i think they need like one real dead eye shooter i mean they have a bunch of guys who can hit shots you know i know tatum is hitting really well but he's not creating a ton of threes on his own right he's not a guy who's going to come off screens for threes or anything like that jalen brown you know shoots well on spot ups but those guys are very dependent on others to create threes for them they really only have one guy who can make a three off the dribble or off a dho that of course is Kyrie. and so the problem though when you're trying to think of who they could acquire is that you don't want them to lose their identity in terms of being able to switch being the number one defense in the nba and so you know if they were to look for say a lou williams who would fit into that disabled player exception by the way you're really compromising perhaps what has made them so good this season and with the number of assets 
assets that they're willing to give up which i'm guessing is not that many at this point in time you're probably not going to get a guy who both has the size to fit into their switching scheme and it can really hit shots there might be one and it's somebody that i hadn't seriously considered because i didn't think they were seriously on the block until this week and that's rodney hood so rodney hood is not a perfect player but i think that the celtics are are a more natural fit he shot 37 percent from three for his career he's actually about 39 this year and while he probably isn't a great fit for the starting lineup just because his consistency on both ends is there but if he could play like 20 to 25 minutes a game as a second unit guy i think he could be really destructive for them and then the other benefit is something i have a piece coming out about this for the sporting news is he could even fit in assuming his market is tamped down by the restricted process which it might be he could become a form of a human trade exception because houston or sorry not houston boston just needs salary ballast if they were ever going to make a big move because right now all of their big salaries are tied up in guys that they really want to keep and so i think hood would be a great fit there and they could get him i think without giving up their best assets maybe their their own first in whatever year utah wants and then something else that's of value to them might be enough yeah you would think it probably would be this year's first just to get the obligation out of the way and not hamstring themselves in future trading um although they are not guaranteed necessarily to have another first this year but they have all their own first going forward so that would not necessarily be an issue Uh, they also of course have that lakings pick uh which is one of the more valuable picks that that is out there maybe the most valuable pick that is out there owed from another team at this point in the nba with brooklyn looking a little bit better this season to remind you as we always do it ad nauseum the lakings pick boston gets it this year if it's two to five from the lakers or then it becomes the kings pick next year as long as it's not number one in which case it would be the sixers i don't see any scenario at this deadline in which that would be on the table though do you no i don't think so the that's saved for the basically the way i've been phrasing it is the next james harden trade so the next player who yeah. could become an mvp or, or caliber just guy drafting a really good player i mean yeah 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 you know if if that you know that's that's a top five pick this year especially a top four pick you know there's a a really good top four in this draft it's looking like and it's projected right now 538 has it that the lakers will finish with the sixth worst record so then that would mean lottery that would be a whole lot of fun yeah i really would like to thank the celtics for making these last few lotteries like incredibly entertaining uh and this one even more so for sure so while we're talking about obligations in the future we should also talk about the other two briefly the other two first round obligations that they have moving forward these are more of trade assets rather than present things because they have a lottery protected first from the clippers that for 19 and 20 and then it becomes a second and then they have a top eight protected pick from memphis in 2019 so not this year that goes to top six and then unprotected so both of those are they're more distant assets but they're still absolutely valuable and it's a part of what gives boston just so much ammunition if they want to do something or just draft good players moving forward yeah absolutely so and just in general of the players who we're kind of thinking are just out there right now. i mean i think they could also use a little bit more athleticism defensively at the rim at backups i mean i think baines has exceeded expectations this year i still wonder about his ability to, to play against some of their competition especially against cleveland you know i think he could be a decent matchup against tristan thompson but other than that i mean i think that having a more mobile option at center other than al horford it could be useful um you know they have always 
never had any interest in Nerlens Noel. I don't think that that's something that's a direction that they would necessarily want to go in. I mean, Tyreek Evans is a name that's going to come up, I'm sure. Uh, what do you think of that for them? I think it helps. I mean, he he has been shooting the ball well the last couple of years. So that part of it, we talked about that was important in playmaking. Then that allows them maybe to use Marcus Smart, depending on how they want to deploy him in the playoffs against, you know, use him more as a matchup dependent guy, just because he's so good defensively. And then you have another creator when Kyrie Irving is out of the game. So I wouldn't give up much in the way of assets to make it happen just because it's a rental. And I think Boston's future is much brighter than their present, which is impressive considering their present is pretty damn bright. Yeah. So I would go in that direction. So for me, if I'm going to give up a real asset, it's going to be for a player who can be not only a part of this team, but part of it moving forward. Rodney Hood would be one. And then if they've identified a center who, whether they occupy the the first team or the second team, just somebody who is cost controlled, who could be a part of their future, that would be a way to do it too. I'm not saying he's available, but somebody kind of with the salary structure of like Bam Adebayo, like that, where they have a couple more years of team control. That's what, if you're going to give up an asset for a center, that's what I would be looking for. How big are their tax concerns for next year? Well, so they're, they're probably going to be in the tax next year, but I think ownership is willing to, my instinct is that they're willing to do that if the team is good enough. And it certainly looks like the team is going to be good enough. Yeah. So I think they'll mitigate it. Like they don't just take on, you know, $10 million just because it looks like fun. But if it's a player that they think can help them win, I think they'd absolutely do it. And that's, you know, the players, and I've talked about the kind of the, the human trade exception I do with Rodney Hood. The other guy like that, that I've thrown out there, not perfect for their defensive stuff is Julius Randle. Randle is the same situation where he's a restricted free agent. But Well, I think he the- actually is good for their defense. I think as to play that same role as he has in the Lakers as like a switching center on the second unit and someone who can give them a little more scoring in the second unit, I actually think you would be an outstanding fit there. It's just a question of, you know, how much really do they want to give up to try and get him, I think. Right. And and how and pragmatic are the Lakers and pra- how pragmatic are the Lakers right now basically saying, you know, like because they would not take on, I don't think, Jordan Clarkson to make that deal happen because they don't really need Jordan Clarkson that much. So would they basically, are they willing to give up another asset? And then it's kind of like the idea of, oh, $20, I wanted a peanut and be like, $20 can buy many peanuts. You can use that asset, whatever Boston sends back to then trade Jordan Clarkson because we both think he's a, at least a slightly negative asset. Yeah, more than slightly in my case, I mean, when yeah. we were talking about him, I was saying he's, you know, a four or five million dollar a year player um, and he's making 12 and a half. But but anyway, uh, um, so I don't know. I, I'm I it feels like it's going to be relatively quiet. I mean, your your hood idea is an interesting one. But again, it, and the idea of maybe getting some more talent here as well. Now, you know, they're already in a pickle as far as Marcus Smart's next contract. If they were to trade for a pending restricted free agent, probably either that free agent or Smart would have to go, um, you know, because I think they're willing to pay the tax i don't think they're willing to go more than maybe like you know 10 or 15 million into the tax necessarily i mean that would be obviously a, a very expensive roster and this is a team that still is going to have you know a bunch of rookie extensions coming up at, at some point uh, i think that they would be plenty happy to just use that lakers pick if that's what it is this year or the king's pick next year the king's certainly uh not exactly on track to look very good next year so uh, that should be pretty valuable no matter where it ends up happening so uh i mean and is there anyone that you think you think they could just look to trade smart is there any chance of that with him about to be a pending free agent i mean he definitely you know he's part of their closing lineups he's a valuable player for them also a guy maybe whose value declines in the playoffs and because he doesn't get guarded so maybe maybe something like you know i I don't think a swap of the pending restricted free agents hood and and smart is necessarily realistic but maybe they could look to move on from him and just try to get something him but also remember this they tried to trade Marcus Smart last uh, offseason and really just couldn't get much for him.
him. And so that's part of why they ended up trading Avery Bradley. They had also success with Marcus Smart. So it wasn't like, oh, look at this. They have so much more praise now that they've been this good defense. Nope. They were, they were a good defense last year too. So that isn't, it's not like, it's not like there's a new, a new appreciation for what Marcus Smart is doing, though. I think you can argue he's having a better year. So yeah, I think that's a limitation. What probably with Marcus Smart, what you do is you listen and you just hope that somebody overvalues him, but you don't expect it. So you talk to people in your normal course of business. And if somebody makes you an offer, that's worth it. But I don't think there's like knowing what I know right now, I don't think there's a clear trade to be had. So it's going to depend on whether another GM sees differently and restricted free agents, I think are a value proposition right now, because a lot of these guys are going to get underpaid because there's just so little money to go around. So there could be a team that just says, Hey, he's a better defensive wing than the the unrestricted free agents who are going to be available, especially the unrestricted free agents within our price range, whatever that is for that team. Yeah. And I think more likely if there is a move here, I don't think it's going to be a major one. I think they're going to save most of that disabled player exception to just have the most possible firepower. Uh, I think they would have more money than any other contender or pseudo contender due to that disabled player exception once the buyout market gets into full swing. So I think if we had to pick most likely player to be traded just to wrap up here, who do you think it is on this team? I think it's smart just because nobody else seems particularly likely to be traded. Yeah, I could even see it being like Gershon Yabusele just if they decided, hey, you know, we want to trade for Tyreek Evans. Uh, and Yabusele has shown very little so far this year. Um, you know, maybe they still believe in him, but I, I'm not a huge believer in what he's bringing to the, oh, you know, yeah, go ahead. I want to say one quick thing. Sorry about that. Uh, we just have to mention Justice Winslow as a possibility here because Danny Ainge showed such an such an intense interest before. Whenever that happens, I always file it away because if those players become available, the first place you think of is people that value them as draft prospects. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Although Winslow has looked a little bit better, I think, since he's come back from that injury from Miami. He's actually shooting the three ball with a, a little bit less hesitation than he had been, at least hitting a little from the corners, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll look at his stats, and I, I'm saying that just based on having watched a couple of their games, I'm sure I'll look at his stats since he, the, he came back from the injury and he's like, you know, two out of 25. But uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if Winslow is necessarily going to get traded, especially because the Heat kind of need him right now, and they have uh, been on fire lately after a, yet another miracle victory against Charlotte last night. Uh, all right, let's do a read here, and then we'll get to the New York Knicks. So Helix Sleep, longtime listeners are quite familiar with them. They've been a sponsor for over two years now, and the way they initially became a sponsor was my now fiance, then girlfriend, and I were looking for a mattress. We'd heard a lot about mattress delivery companies that are much less expensive than traditional mattresses because they're able to cut out the overhead and just ship you a mattress which you can unfold from a box so we tried another mattress company and they have just one size fits all basically and we're like oh i was a little skeptical of that but we're like all right you know it's supposed to be great like uh, all these good reasons to try it no it didn't work for us we both of us started to suffer from some back pain and that was the whole reason we were getting a new mattress to begin with is because my old mattress was worn out it was like 10 years old and so we had to get a new one so we returned that one size fits all mattress and then my fiance found helix sleep which is better because you fill out their two to three minute questionnaire and you're getting a mattress that actually fits your sleep profile whether it's how hot or cool you like to sleep firmness any of the factors that control how a mattress sleeps you can put in your biometric data and then and your preference in terms of how hot or cold you'd like to sleep and it'll spit out something for you and if you and your significant other can't agree they can even split it down the middle for you we of course uh, as a perfectly harmonic couple did not need that but it really has been the best mattress that i've ever slept on we've had it for two years now we actually just 
got another one for our guest room once we moved into this new place really just love the mattress couldn't recommend it more highly the way to get started with them helixsleep.com slash cap space is that url to get fifty dollars off your custom made mattress once again helixsleep.com slash cap space easy to remember that url since we talk about cap space all the time in the program helixsleep.com slash cap space let them know that you came from us so the knicks uh, about four million or so over the cap that gives them 16 million dollars in maneuvering room under the tax they still have a 2.4 million dollar trade exception for having sent out more money in the carmel anthony trade than they received back no open roster slots although i'm certain danny will have a snarky comment about how easily they could create one uh and actually one thing that we didn't talk about too with the knicks is they moved on from ramon sessions and signed trey burke instead out of their westchester affiliate um not a ton of cap space going into next year basically nothing uh but what do you think their motivations are here coming up on the deadline i think they're getting closer to understanding that they're not going to be a playoff team this year so they can look a little bit towards the future and for me the biggest thing that the knicks need to do is they need to move on from at least one of their centers because they have this logjam, and it's a strange one because all of the players are in different circumstances so kylo quinn has a player option for next year about four and a half or 4.2 million which i think he'll decline but it's not entirely clear canner has an 18.6 million dollar player option which he will pick up in all likelihood and then Willie and Gomez who was I think it was first team all rookie last year I thought he played well he has three more years of team control though that last year could be like the Chandler Parsons thing where they decline it and then pay him as a, a restricted free agent if they really like him but so you have all those guys it's just too much value tied up in that especially if for people like us who think that Kristaps Porzingis should play at least some minutes at center and you can move any of them but they should move some of them well and then of course Joakim Noah as well oh, yeah, as that's even true. larger elephant in the room as basically their highest paid player uh, going forward um do making essentially 18 million and then up to 19 million over through the 2020 uh season 2019-20 season i mean i think we need to at least discuss the possibility of kemba walker going there though and as i tweeted over the weekend at nate duncan nba if by some reason you don't follow me the pursuit of walker is really complicated by the fact that i'm not sure that even getting him gets them back into the playoff race i mean they have a very road heavy schedule which they are suffering through right now much of this nice record that they had early in the year was created because Porzingis was playing so well since he had that ugly ankle injury against Brooklyn that he came back from pretty quickly it seems like he has not quite been the same not sure whether the injury or just what seems to always be his regression after the first month and a half of the season comes into play there the nagging injuries or what but you know I think Walker obviously you know the Knicks despite the potential of Nilakina have perhaps the most limited point guards in the league and so that could be an enormous upgrade but considering they're already five games below 500 and tough schedule the rest of the way i'm not sure that walker you know gets them back into playoff contention and then the reason that's important is because all right now you're trading for basically one year of kemba walker next year when it's actually going to matter all he does this year potentially is just hurt your draft pick and this is a team that continues to need more of a youth infusion uh in the draft a couple other things that we didn't really talk about in the kemba walker thing when we talked about before that are important one he is from new york he was born in the bronx went to high school in harlem and has a connection with the area and the other thing you get if you trade for kemba walker is his full bird rights and the knicks one of their books are very strangely structured because of the money they spent on tim hardaway jr and courtney lee that they don't really have a time where they're ever clearing their books they could do it through the stretch provision and dumping contracts and things like that but so if you get kemba the idea basically is that you're going to function as an over-the-cap team and the knicks have no problem doing that they've done it for a long time and 
you know, with some spurts, fits and starts in between, like when they signed Amari. And I think that they can do that. I think that works in well. And you talked about worsening the first round pick. I assume their first round pick would be a part of a Kemba Walker trade. So I'm not particularly worried about that for this year. And what he does is... Yeah, he, well, he, uh, so you don't think that Neil Aquina... Now, that's the part is, that's... Well, well, this is what we need to talk about because Charlotte, what it's their stated desire, at least per Woj's piece, is salary relief and then assets as well. But I think it, it seems realistic that if you want salary relief, you're not getting back nearly as many assets. Now, what is that salary relief for Charlotte? Tough to say because with the Knicks, at least, they don't have expiring contracts for this year. Now, maybe you could throw, you know, Ennis Cantor in and take back a Marvin Williams and that gives you a, an extra year of salary relief and, and you know maybe they could get Jeremy Lamb I mean there, there's some ways they could get it but the Knicks cannot provide any salary relief at least for this upcoming offseason and certainly Michael Jordan if he's going to move on from Walker I'm sure he's thinking is like you know I would like to cut a bunch of salary for next year if we're going to suck and nobody's going to come and watch our team we can't be you know this team that's paying almost 20 million dollars in salary over the cap you know I mean not to mention even being close to the tax so you know nick batum is someone that the hornets may look to move as well um you know he's not particularly desirable but a, a guy that the knicks could use um and a walker trade you know i i like it it would make the knicks more watchable i'd love to see what a good pick and roll point guard could do with porzingis but you also just wonder like you're probably limiting your long-term ceiling by going for walker who will be 29 in the 2019 offseason you mentioned they'll have full bird rights on him but you know how long is he going to continue to be a, a very solid player beyond 29 as a short point guard so i mean now the knicks have already limited their ceiling with chris tabs anyway i think with the signings of hardaway and noah and to a lesser extent lee who's actually been productive for them but uh they basically have limited their ceiling with Chris Tapps. so i don't think the opportunity cost is that high because if they don't get walker where are they really going with this team and the limited flexibility they have and then even you know if you get into 2019-20 then porzingis will be on his max deal presumably and so that means that they're not gonna have any flexibility then either it's it's really i mean i think i probably would the more i think about it i think you know i'd look into it and try you know i think even if they get walker though we're looking at still just back to a lower end playoff team in the east it also ties in with the idea of whether they could go that way or do a pivot with Courtney Lee because Courtney Lee is a good basketball player and I think his contract is fine I don't think it's it's great or anything but he would yeah, provide two a lot years more... left for Lee uh, at about 12 million per right and I think he would provide more value to somebody else who's who's just kind of in a different place especially if they want to give more time to Tim Hardaway and so it's like well okay you can either go more the win now direction with Kemba Walker and then Courtney Lee is immediately more valuable because he can be a part of that team he's also played with Kemba Walker before which has some value or you can try to move him somewhere else kind to do that pivot i think the the win now option just it's it's not necessarily what you and i would do if we were running knicks but we aren't running the knicks and we haven't for a while so i think that's why we shouldn't discount with that possibility and yeah i'm yeah, working and, and on both steve mills and scott perry have uh histories of doing the win now move right and so i i think that the other like so if you add batuman i think this brings a fascinating element to it because the other thing that the knicks need in the immediate like if, if you're to say hey how can we be way better next year is another capable forward and Batum is probably I think he's not as he's definitely not as good as we hoped he would be when he signed that huge contract in 2016 but he could be about at the right slot on the Knicks just because if they have Kemba and Porzingis as offensive options and then they have a bunch of other guys that are that are capable defenders maybe not top end defenders I, I think they slot in as like a you know not a top end playoff team like you have that top three right now in the east but below them it's pretty much just a, a chunk of teams and they could fit in with that I think 
So, I mean, the deal, I mean, we don't want to spoil the mock trade deadline too much here because certainly offers will be made <laughs> during the, the mock trade deadline. But you know, I think if you're going to make that kind of a deal, you're going to make it a, a lot bigger. You've got probably, you know, 37 million or so in combined salary that you're going to have to match now. Surely Charlotte would be happy to take back the absolute minimum that they could. So, you know, who's involved in that deal? Cantor is probably got to be in there. Uh, you would think that uh, maybe Ron Baker would be in that deal. O'Quinn that gets you up to about 26 million in salary now you're getting pretty close you got to get to 80 percent of 37 million um and then you know maybe it would be nilakina who would be the last asset going back or it would be future first rounders i'm sure that new york would fight for it to be future first rounders rather than nilakina because i don't think their future first rounders once they get walker are going to be as good as number eight um but i mean if it came down to it and they said hey you know what like it was that construct nilakina o'quinn baker Cantor for Batum and Walker would you do that as the next I think I would and I'll, I I agree with you and I think the reason for that is that I just don't see superstar upside with Nilakina. if Nilakina were Dennis Smith and it's quite possible that Nilakina becomes a better player than Dennis Smith uh but Smith has the upside offensively that Nilakina doesn't uh, and right you know, and Smith's actually pretty good lately too and but, a superstar um, defensively versus yeah. a superstar offensively at the point guard position are two very different things and sure. Frank can be a wonderful player but that's you know that's not as valuable yeah no I, I think you're right Doug McDermott another guy who's a, a res- restricted free agent coming up you know he's someone that they could look to move as well for salary balance but I actually you know I think that one is not bad uh for both teams to to be honest I mean Charlotte certainly is going to be my I mean at least they can kind of try to market Nilakina to some degree um a, a former lottery pick point guard you know because Charlotte I mean it's just going to need something at, at the point and then they certainly would be set up to really nosedive maybe they could buy out Cantor at that point as well uh he had, uh, they could use a backup star I mean I'm sure Charlotte would like to get off of Dwight Howard as well but you know maybe they could buy out Howard they could buy out cancer I mean there'd be options galore for them to save Michael Jordan some money and get cheap because no one's going to go watch that team anyway um there has been a lot of backlash out of the Charlotte market about trading Kemba and just you know why would they do this no one's going to go watch this team but uh you know the, it's an easy trope I still think like guess what like they're not going to be good the next few years no matter what they do at this point so no one's going to watch the team regardless <laughs> you might as well just repilled and try to actually create sustainable success oh one other right, quick, uh, well, wait yeah, one, one yeah, other ahead, quick sorry. thing we should mention is the knicks have all their own firsts but they owe all their own seconds through 2020 run but then the big one they got is actually chicago's 2018 second that was originally in the cameron Payne trade and then in the mellow trade so they have that that's a pretty nice little second round asset and depending on what they want to do here yeah and i think certainly for you know a walker trade i mean we've spent a lot of time in this obviously there, there's other stuff they're going to do but we're kind of out of time on them now you know hernan gomez could be a sweetener there uh maybe mcdermott if they like them you know certainly uh michael jordan is totally enamored of american white guys so mcdermott could perhaps uh grease the skids a, a little bit um all right most likely to be traded on this team kyle o'quinn expiring contract functionally speaking superfluous but but useful for them so they could move him to someone else <sighs> I'm going to say, say Mike Beasley. Interesting. Who has actually played well th- this year. I think he, and we'll see, you know, it's going to, the Knicks are one of these teams where let's see it, like just their results over the next two weeks is actually, I think going to determine a lot of their direction. If they somehow stay in things that that might change things. Um, I'm a little surprised. Neither yeah. of us said Willie Hernan Gomez. Yeah. I mean, that's a thought, but I, you know, I'm uh, trading Hernan Gomez, unless it's in a Walker trade I mean that would be a win now move, right? You trade young for old, right? So, uh, and I don't, I don't, 
don't think it will be Hernan Gomez. I think they still believe in him. It's just you know he's been outplayed, and I think he's uh, he's going to get a lot more playing time. And I also I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, Quinn certainly would be my number two pick, and, and could be the guy most likely to be moved in part to open up some time for Hernan Gomez. All right, uh, Sixers. I think they're what strikes me the most about where they are right now is that I think it's still really all about this upcoming summer for them, and, and that's going to very much limit what they can do. Uh, they do have the room exception still uh they also don't have a ton of open roster spots they have one i guess uh so they're gonna really try to increase their cap space get to max cap space for this uh, off season and that's really i think gonna control what they're trying to do more than any team needs for this season what's hard about talking about the sixers trade deadline is that the most interesting thing is something that we might not know at all which is how zealously they try to move jared bayless right now because bayless is getting paid 8.6 million next year it's the easiest money for them to clear depending on who is available who says yes to them they could do that through the stretch revision but that puts more money on the book so if they could do something to to unload that now then you don't have to do it later which would be good for them but they didn't use that they didn't use an asset to do that in the Jaleel Okafor Nick Stauskas trade that would have been an opportunity to do it with where Brooklyn is they would now like because that'd probably be the primary thing going back because they don't really want to trade their expiring money though they could so I want to watch that but we might just be sitting there just hoping to get a little morsel from some front office person telling us because if they don't make a move we're not going to hear much yeah i think that's right I, you know bayless the question of how much it would cost to move him also he like they actually need him right now especially with, you know with reddick been a little injury prone he was starting for them uh and obviously they probably think more of him than we do because they signed him to that ridiculous contract to begin with uh three years 27 million so he's got nine million for next season actually i think it yeah declined slightly down to, to eight point five which at least showed some foresight there but so they could stretch that and open up a little bit more than six million in room as it stands right now with bayless on the books and we're projecting them to lose their pick or lose that lakers pick now so that will not be on the books if it's below five or if it's number one they will keep it uh and then they'll have their own first which so they're looking about 27 million in space right now they move on from bayless they can get up to the 30 percent max for guys with seven to nine years of experience if they want to get in the lebron james derby um they certainly have smaller contracts that they could find a way to move on from for sure um and, and they could get if they just move bayless completely they can get into the james derby so i don't think a first rounder and getting rid of bayless that makes a ton of sense again this is a young team and a young team that we still don't really know exactly what they need in the long term with the question marks around marco fault right now uh so i you know i think moving bayless for a second rounder i think they would do that for a first i don't think that they would even if they get some production coming back uh but what so do you think one yeah, thing, what, two, two things to note there one they actually have a nice little cadre of sec of second round picks they have seven extra second round picks in the next three drafts yeah. four so maybe drafts. they just throw in two of those uh, to try to move bayless and then it becomes or, a question of which it is but yeah or they throw in they have some interesting young guys justin anderson cork Maz, who's hurt right now with that liz frank injury tlc who i think is a little bit probably better than you'd want to throw into that trade you could maybe do one of those guys in a second or two some just kind of how much sweeter do you need to get rid of this and then the other part of that is why i think it's smarter to do now rather than later is just there are so few teams that are going to have space that they're going to be wielding a lot of power and the sixers if they need to move him then they will be 
under the they'll be under the gun. There just won't be much time to make that move happen. So they'll I think they might have to give up more. So it's if their confidence and there's so many guys at that kind of tier, you know, like the Avery Bradley, Danny Green type of thing, much less like Paul George or LeBron, that they're probably going to get somebody. And if they clear him, maybe there's an outside shot they can keep JJ Redick, which I'm sure they'd love to do. Yeah, I'm sure they would. Uh, if they were going to bring back Redick, of course, they'd have to renounce uh, his bird rights, which don't do them any good anyway. He's making already 23 million this year. So, they, but they would want to re-sign him or at least have an agreement for him with, uh, you know, you'd think a longer term deal uh, for less money to be sure. Uh, I mean, just in terms of this year though, you know, again, they do have that treasure trove of second rounders. I mean, I think it would be, they would like to solidify their position in the playoffs, get these young guys some experience, continue to build the excitement in the market. And I think if they can use just their second rounders to do that, they might, uh, if they wanted to go in that direction, who strikes you as a, well, I, well, let's say what are their needs first, and then we can talk about what uh, the target would be especially if Reddick is limited but really either way they need more shooting yes a guy who can just and they don't need shot creation so it can just be a catch and shoot type of guy that can really work well it's probably going to be their free agent i'm not sure about them not needing shot creation uh well yeah it depends on they don't have anybody on this team who can run a conventional pick and roll and actually be a threat to shoot the ball i just don't i think that you at this point you don't want to commit a ton of resources but you're right if you threw a small asset at it and and for this season like you know like somebody like a tyreek evans on an expiring contract yeah that could make some sense and long term, I think you want a high end guard defender that could really just take this defense to another level. But I don't think you acquire that guy right now. That could be your target in free agency. Yeah, the, that's a possibility. I think. Oh, and finding how do, how matching salary for them is difficult. Yeah. Too. Oh, but also, how do how are you feeling about them at backup center right now? It's also an option for one of their draft picks, whether it's their own. Or well, actually, something you know, else. What? no, it's not hard to find matching salary. They could use Amir Johnson for them if they wanted to. But they, I mean, I know they they think that he's again another guy. They think is probably better than. He actually is but he's been in their rotation obviously but that ties in with with my backup center thing so i think this would actually be an interesting time to kind of strike if there's a guy that the colangelos find compelling as as a long-term option because rashawn holmes is fine but i don't think he's the answer there so giving that up for whatever whatever that is yeah. could be Bring worthwhile. Back Nerlens. he had the best season of his career in philly or like they could take a flyer on if it, on Hernan Gomez if the Knicks just decided yeah. he was the odd man out. You know, go in you that know sort who of would really help them. I think it would be Channing Fry. Ooh. I think he would be a wonderful fit uh, if they wanted to invert the offense with guys like Sharich and Simmons uh, to get his shooting out there as well. But you know, I, I'm not and to just they can't really. The problem is the Cavs are going to be looking to just move him and not take any salary back due to tax concerns, and I'm not sure that Philly can really offer much there. Yeah, and the problem is Philly can't. Take Take back long-term salary because they could like then move Amir. They could move Amir Johnson to a third team and then take on something from that team. But they don't want you know nobody wants the other part of that. So yeah, old friend Ursan Ilyasova would be someone on an expiring contract about six million in Atlanta. He would have to assent to any trade, of course. Um, you know, I think that's one that really sticks out to me. It seems so easy, but Ilyasova played well for them last year. They could really use again some kind of a, a stretch four option. You know. I think trevor booker really has not worked out at all big surprise we told you that was going to happen uh to the extent certainly to the extent of him trying to play together with another one of their 
traditional bigs uh, and they're just so limited in terms of the shooting on this team um the idea has been floated maybe of them trying to go after one of the restricted free agent guys but that really is going to with you know that guy's cap hold is going to be at least 10 million dollars that's going to eat into their space too much so i don't think the idea of them acquiring a restricted free agent does a ton um maybe a Derek favors would be someone that they could potentially look at um as but favors isn't probably going to stay there afterwards so but you know if it's favors for amir johnson favors could help them this year and you know maybe the jazz pick up a second rounder or two in that transaction um but you really i think the jazz can do better for favors or there might be a team interested in him that wants to resign him which i don't think philly necessarily would so yeah i, I i'm i foresee a quiet deadline another team that could get in the buyout market though since they still have their full room exception over four million dollars available um although that begins to prorate down on january 15th but they still you know in terms of competing i mean they could by even march 1st they could offer about three million bucks there to, to someone so that's, that's not bad for you know a month and a half of work plus the playoff yeah i could see them as being but yeah we don't know what the bio market is going to be and also that ties in with the idea of who how do they envision their backup center because they could even trade amir johnson and or rashawn holmes and then just not get a center back and sign somebody i mean they would back up center minutes for them would yeah, be pretty interesting the, there will be some centers on the buyout market I, I oh yeah sure you of that um all right most likely to be traded bayless yeah because i can't identify which of their young players would be the most likely sweetener so bayless all right before we get to toronto this from indochino indochino is the largest custom apparel company the largest that's it they're the biggest one but fortunately they don't make the biggest suits in unless that's what you need i always used to have suits that were way too big i'd try to get something off the rack but i have big shoulders and not that big of a chest and so when i would get something like that it was just like a tent on me you know you I, you could like pull out the front of it where you button it and there was like a foot of space when you pulled it out and they say oh don't worry about that we'll fix that it will tailor it for you uh that'll be three weeks at the department store okay that's fine you know uh now give us your thousand dollars come back in three weeks still doesn't really fit that well certainly not compared to my indochino suits and when you consider that you can now get any premium Indochino suit for just $359 with that familiar cap space code at Indochino.com, it's just so much better of a value. My Indochino suits are my favorite. They fit right. That's the important thing. And they fit in my shoulders. I can actually move around a little bit. And yet it's not just this enormous tent on me. The pants was always a huge problem too, because off the rack suits, for whatever reason, to have pants that fit my 36 inch inseam, it would be like a 42 waist. And so you have to like cinch it in but then it would kind of billow out after they cinched it in at the waist now just get it custom made there's no reason not to pick your fabric choose your customizations single breasted double breasted pick the liner monogram how wide do you want the lapels you personalize every single detail of it you can either shop online at indochino.com visit one of their north american showrooms i think they're up to nine now in a lot of major cities i got my measurements done in san francisco or they have a tutorial on how to measure yourself as well so once again the way to get started with them indo chino.com use that promo code capspace easy to remember we talk about it all the time with the program here to get any premium suit for just 359 dollars plus shipping use that capspace code and let them know that you came from us so like we talked about with philly being limited by their 2018 aspirations summer 2018 aspirations the raptors are limited by their tax situation they're about two million below the tax line they do have an open roster spot and they have the, some trade exceptions in the biannual but they not only are, are kind of compressed with that limited flexibility this year, but that ties in with next year, where next year I have them at about three million over the 
attacks without their restricted free agents, and that's Bebe, Bruno Caboclo, and Fred Van Vliet, the last of which is the, by far the most likely that they would resign. And that means that they would probably like to unload a little bit of long-term money, but now is probably the wrong time to do it because their long-term money is in players that are contributing to their team now, and they have lofty aspirations now. Yeah, their long their long-term money is their starting center, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, making 15 this year, up to 16.5 next year, and then a player option for uh, 17.6 million. What? Which, you know, I think he, uh, he might exercise that. Uh, but certainly their long-term books work a lot better if he's not around i think there's a very good argument that in a lot of situations in a lot of matchups including against their chief competition in the eastern conference Jakob pertle is a much better matchup there and Serge Ibaka at center is a much better matchup there but i don't think as you said that this is necessarily the time to move valanchunas and also worth noting that they've already given up their 2018 first round pick lottery protected to dump salary already in the damari carroll deal and so there is some talk that they'd be willing to pay the tax when needed but uh their ownership has not been willing to do that yet i do think that they're good enough that maybe paying the tax this year could be worthwhile and it's not like they can't get out of it in future years with a, a valentunas move perhaps and they wouldn't be that much over so taking on some salary or at least you know their bae they're probably getting down to the point that's 3.3 million this year where they could use most of that on the buyout market and still not quite be into the tax uh they are going to really need to resign Van Vliet though next offseason Noguera and Caboclo obviously are, are almost certainly to be gone unless uh, they re-sign for extremely cheap but just in general what does this team need if we are hoping that they can compete in the east they do have a lot of depth so there's not a ton that jumps out at you right now. their biggest need is to make sure that they have a forward that they trust in that last spot when they're playing a Baca at center so I think we can pencil and obviously Lowry DeRozan Ibaka in that lineup OG Ananobi's getting close just because he can, he's done a nice job defending the big wings in the league. LeBron, Giannis, yeah. KD. His, his shooting and... has troublesomely dropped off lately. Absolutely. Though, at least at least in the games that I've seen. I haven't checked the numbers in the last two or three weeks, but the jumper has not looked good. He's kind of short-arming it, even as he's gotten more aggressive shooting it. It's, it's been very odd. But, you know, still a guy who, I, I mean, I think he can still hit from the corners. You have to guard him and provides a lot of size. Um and they've got other options there too if they want to go a little bit smaller against some of these teams. CJ Miles is is the guy that uh, Sirit Soe and I talked about on the most recent Real GM Radio is the the guy that they have. But that if I were to to throw resources at something, it would probably be that. The problem is there aren't many of those guys. Like there's a reason why they paid CJ Miles eight million a year for three years. It's because there aren't many, and he's not he's even kind of a different thing. So that's what you're looking for. It's very hard to get. Uh, they they have a better chance of kind of cultivating that guy. With, with future resources through you know their development or something else like that and one other smaller move that they could consider is whether they want whether they can basically pay a team to take on somebody like Bruno Caboclo basically just pay his salary and then have that money available to to spend to spend a little bit more on a buyout guy I think that would be a worthwhile proposition for them and they could make that kind of like a fallback for some of these teams with cap space if they're just going to let it go to waste so it doesn't really help them but it doesn't really hurt them either yeah we'll see whether teams are going to just take guys on for only cash I think some other kind of asset would have to be involved there this is a team that their second rounders are maybe not going to be as 
valuable uh toronto has all of their cash their 5.1 million dollar remaining if they should need that um the one guy who i think might be available on the trade market that would help this team would be james ennis i think he's could maybe give them a little bit better option than og or maybe even play together with him in some lineups if they wanted to go with DeRozan, lowry ennis og and ibaka i think that could be a very versatile lineup that they might look at he he would be the guy that i might try to target what asset they would give up for him I, i'm not sure how much memphis values his early bird rise he's making only about three million this season i'm not sure but of all the people on the trade market i mean they their depth is so good that there aren't really many players that realistically would be available that i really see as a worthwhile upgrade for them so ennis is the only guy that i've identified that i think really would help that much. yeah i mean you could conceive of a way that like wilson chandler would help them but the problem is his money for next year and his yeah. money for this year makes it hard to really to put a swap together because they just don't have they don't have filler salary either like the like the potential issues i mean because valanchunas you know you could call him filler salary except that he makes 17 million for another two years yeah oh that is i mean they don't really have bad salary on this team right. other than maybe valanchunas you could look at but he's i mean he's still at least productive he's a player who starts and, and is okay for them so um yeah i don't really have a ton more to say on on these guys i don't expect a particularly splashy deadline from them uh and you know obviously they've been they were very active last year in getting Ibaka but with the tax limitation now maybe I'm wrong about them wanting to go into the tax but I think they could pretty easily avoid it I'm just not sure who's out there that's enough of an upgrade to really bother with this and especially because they're already out that 2018 first round pick and you look at how well Ujiri has been able to do with picks in that range I think they would be especially loath to give those up for the limited upgrades who are available and then you throw in the tax as well I, I really don't necessarily see it happening can always be wrong obviously but a big move does not even one that's just to add a rotation player does not really seem to be in the offing right now i'd agree with that i'll say my most likely player to be traded is bebe because he's a better version of the bruno caboclo trade that i said and there absolutely could be teams that say hey let's take the restricted rights on him and roll the dice and so there's a possibility the raptors wouldn't trade him because that's not enough for him but i think that's a worthwhile thing if they can get a better a better guy with that last roster spot yeah and i'd say i would echo that caboclo is up there too just in the money saving sort of deal that you had discussed okay brooklyn this will probably be even faster than the last couple because they like the nets sorry like the raptors because it was in the same move they made their big moves already they got Damari Carroll so that tied up a lot of their cap space which they got a first round pick for then on top of that they traded Trevor Booker for Julia Okafor and Nick Stauskas so my expectation is that they they have this 3.7 million in in cap room that they could use however they do not have an open roster spot at the moment and then they have 15 million in space next year assuming Linop's in so they could do something small I do not expect them to do something big because they've already made the moves that you would that you would say probably preclude the other stuff yeah and they've got a lot of bad salary that they've essentially already absorbed uh certainly mozgov falls into that category jeremy lynn certainly would have been someone we'd be talking about had he not ruptured his patellar tendon i think on opening night it was against the pacers and then he's still got a player option for next year so uh, unlikely i think that he would get moved you know they do have spencer dinwiddie maybe the thought would be considering selling high on him uh maybe the thought would be that ronde hollis jefferson is someone that could help a contender 
a little bit more i mean i think i might listen on those guys at least part of my motivation to, to with them to some degree would be well i want to make sure we're not too good next year because we'll finally finally after all this pain which really hasn't been that long it's really, it's really only their third year uh when they've been bad you know, i mean remember they made the playoffs in 2015 amazingly before you know it just so happened to coincide that these three years of the celtics having their pick were they're really bad three years um so maybe you might look to move dinwiddie you know just because uh, but that's also a move they could make in the offseason as well and we'll see with d'angelo russell gonna be back for the rest of the year too what the dynamic is between russell and dinwiddie so yeah like you i don't expect them to do much they have that 3.7 million in space you could imagine them just taking on you know someone along the lines of a caboclo or uh someone along the lines of maybe a a nick young from uh, from the warriors although i don't think the warriors will move him as we talked about the other day i, I would consider it uh or just a, another tax team they could be the noah vonley destination um although i think they just cannot quite fit him in to their available cap space in fact yes they can fit him in actually he makes 3.5 and they have 3.7 available so with the blazers trying to get under the tax as we'll talk about later on here that's a, another possible target for them but th- those sorts of of moves I, I think will be just you know maybe they pick up a second and take on that type of money from a tax team that's all i expect from them at this point one thing i wanted to float by you is so tyler zeller is making his minimum this season and then has a or actually might be a little bit above that he he's making the minimum next year non-guaranteed do you think that there you wouldn't get much for him but do you think there's maybe a market for that just by saying hey you know you can get this guy and make a decision on him uh not if i were the gm of a team but maybe some some uh some teams that <laughs> might like him another actually interesting thing here about them you know they've got damari carroll maybe they could say you know there's a team that likes enough of what they've seen from carroll and has worse salary that they'd be willing to trade out and the nets could take on maybe another first round pick for a guy who goes a year later you know one of these terrible 2016 contracts um and what would you think of like damari carroll for evan turner like you you've got another year or so of money carroll's a better player i think than turner although i don't know if the blazers would be willing to admit that um this is just an example obviously turner can still play a little bit you know he might help them with some creation they're a team that plays with with a lot of spacing so it'd be a good fit for turner uh and then carroll could give portland some of that shooting on the wing that they need a stretch four option uh you know and pick up a first round pick from the blazers in that deal i like it but i also think there might be a better opportunity for that moving forward i think that you listen on those offers and if somebody surprises you with something stronger than expected but because of the the element of it that you're you're adding a little bit of value for this year for the playoffs and things like that but next year they're going to teams are going to start looking into their future a little bit more i think teams aren't scared enough about 2019-20 right now they're not as scared as they should be and when that's true then you want to wait to make moves because you want when you're using leverage you want teams what does that mean you're scared of 2019-20 basically team because tax issues i think the cap isn't going to jump as much as people think it is and so teams are looking at their books now and they see like i think it's like a the current estimates are that it's going to be a seven million dollar jump and so that means a jump in the cap that means a jump in the luxury tax and if that goes away then all of a sudden like these teams are going okay no i was right around the tax too oh no now i'm five million over the tax and and everything that happens moving forward and so when you you want to exert leverage i think that they're like any assumptions that are made on that and there's just there's very little money that's coming off the books in 2019 it's mostly 2020 stuff so i think that teams are going to eventually realize they're going to 
they'll like they're going to realize that the, they're not going to have the money they want to do to make the changes. So then that year could be valuable. It's just a, it's a little idea that's been rolling around in my head for the last like four months. Yeah, I mean, if I were the Nets, I would still be looking to take on maybe one more bad contract and with one of their and get rid of one of their guys who can play a little bit too. Um, you know, they are going to have about twelve million dollars in cap space this offseason, and that could go somewhere. But again, I think it just it doesn't make sense to finally get good just as you have your draft pick again because now you're really mired in purgatory so i think continuing to play you know take on bad long-term money they don't have much in the way of expiring contracts um i don't believe that what was the date of the stauskas okafor trade i actually from off the top of my head believe that it was done at exactly the like the day before they could be at the that allows them to be aggregated on deadline day i think that's what happened but i'm not a hundred percent sure yeah so those two expiring contracts maybe you know if you put them together you've got nine nine million uh you know maybe that could take clear off some money just in the long term but i still think i would be trying if i were the nets to pick up more assets for one of these teams that uh you know it has one of these just miserable 2017 or, or 20 summer 2016 contracts still on the books and if you have a carol as a guy who can play a little bit that you can send back that that kind of makes some sense there um i mean even alan crab could fall into that category a little bit as well although they seem to really like him for some reason um all right i think that's all i have on them though uh most likely to be traded i'm gonna go with dinwiddie just because there's a theory of it that it's selling high yeah. and and going with it more so than carol because that just requires a different a different vision they certainly could have it but with dinwiddie it could just be a, an asset maximization standpoint because hey this guy's going to get paid at some point we have him we like him but also there his value is going to get minimized to them because when d'angelo russell who just came back when d'angelo russell is playing full-time it seems like he'll lose some steam and then obviously if they keep him through the offseason then Jeremy Lin will be back and it's going to be harder to trade Lin than Dinwiddie I'll go with Carroll I think but Dinwiddie is an interesting one I mean he's non-guaranteed for next year at only the minimum essentially uh I'm sorry that's 250,000 guaranteed for next year but obviously the Nets will pick that up at, at this point with the way he's played but I think both on the theory of getting something for him and just not being too good next year he's actually been one of the better players in the NBA by RPM in part due to the fact that he's played opposite D'Angelo Russell who has not been good in that category especially defensively but nonetheless I don't anticipate them getting rid of someone who's such a, a feel-good story so I, I think I would go with Carroll uh, and I'm not sure what the market would be for Dinwiddie either so Carroll would be my pick but you're right that Dinwiddie especially once Russell comes back he's never going to be worth uh, more than he is right now it's turned out of the Northwest Division and the Portland Trailblazers a team that did a fair amount of its work as far as getting under the tax was concerned this offseason trading away Alan Crabb they got back Andrew Nicholson in the steal stretched him but still remained 2.9 million dollars over the tax line uh they still have their full MLE should they choose to use it but that's obviously only on uh, free agents and they have a an open roster spot uh, what is their 2018 summer looking like so they still have to pay Yusuf Nurkic and we don't know exactly what the market is going to bear with him but I my assumption especially with all the dead money that they have on their books is that they'll be over the line in 2018-19 which is another part of the reason why getting under this year would be good for them because a they get that money and b they it pushes back the idea of being a repeater and all that stuff by another year but their owner is billionaire paul allen and he might not care yeah you get the feeling that even he might care when it's just you know what's been a relatively mediocre you know bottom half of the western conference type of team or, or bottom half of the western conference playoff picture type of team um but let's talk first about where they're going to be in terms of the tax if they do try to get under you have to imagine 
imagine that Noah Vonley conveniently makes 3.5 million as you mentioned they're 2.9 million over the tax so if they can trade him into someone's space you would imagine that they would do so where are they in terms of cash right now they haven't used any right they have not so yeah they could even throw that in if they want to pay the salary and if they don't want to use an asset to give up Vonley you know somebody might even just want to take him on because the other value you get is restricted right so I think they should be clean there all right so you don't believe it'll take it oh no I think it might I, I mean yeah it was, it'll take some kind of an asset where are they in terms of their seconds they're they're already out a couple of seconds in the future yeah they're out so they have all their own firsts they're out their 18 and 19 seconds but they have the lakers 2019 which i don't think is i think that's probably too much in this though of course we don't know the lakers the lakers 2019 second could be garbage if they end up having a successful free agency yeah and really other than vonley ed davis another guy they might look to move but they are still in the playoff picture and, and davis is a big part of their rotation he's uh, their first center off the bench he's been playing together with uh, zach collins lately shabazz napier is a guy who's been useful to them they might even try to re-sign him in restricted free agency pat Connaughton, he's been in the rotation as well he's also be a restricted free agent this summer so they are gonna have to pay even some of their cheap contributors um what about the possibility of maybe getting off even more money than simply vonley they've got myers leonard who's just essentially 10 million dollars in dead money not even in the rotation right now on that four-year 40 million dollar deal that he signed uh mo harkless who has been on the fringes of their rotation lately been way way off off from three-point range um although Harkless will likely not make that 35% bonus clause so that'll reduce his salary a little bit might give him a little more breathing room under the tax and so do you think there's any chance they can move any of those guys is it going to be a summer thing you think I think if it's more of a summer thing just because not because of them but because of the other teams not being willing to sell their space right now and especially with Harkless Leonard and Turner all of those guys expire in 2020 so you're asking them to know where they're going in the future so that takes out teams like the Suns, I would say they're going to be optimistic. And even the Nets, while I think the Nets should be selling their 2018-19 space, going two years into the future without giving up a serious asset is is limiting. And for Portland, Myers Leonard would save them money, but there are other ways to get under the tax. So you might as well save, save more money or save less money and give up a lesser asset next year than do it right now. There isn't a reason to rush it if they're willing to give up Vonley. And one other thing I wanted to bring up is you talked about the cash on hand and I think that's important with them because if they don't feel that let's say Jake Clayman is a member of their future because he has a, a non-guarantee for next year they should also try to move him and clear that extra roster spot and a little bit more money and then bring in somebody for the minimum who can actually be a part of this team if they want to make the playoffs they can get somebody more productive especially for their needs than Jake Clayman yeah and also you mentioned they have the full MLE available so they're really right up there with teams like the Celtics in terms of theoretical spending power if in fact they could get off of Vonley they could get off a of layman now I mean they still would only have about two million below the tax there but yeah you would think that layman hard to believe he'll be a part of their plans just has not been able to hit a shot in his career and, and uh, is an older player already I think he's either he might even be 24 already uh so he you could move on from he and Vonley maybe if you can get off of both those guys you can give up a second uh, or you can throw in enough cash and and a second as well I mean they have those picks uh 
from Miami in 2021 you know would that be enough to do it and you know maybe maybe not it we all it all depends what the market is certainly those teams are gonna be trying to auction off their space and, and as for Leonard some of the other bad contracts Turner for example I mean maybe we could see we talked about this in the net section of you know it could be Turner and a first for someone who makes similar money maybe a year shorter but a more useful player as well you know maybe that could be or, or same type of thing for Harkless probably not Leonard because he's just totally dead salary um but I, I don't suspect a move like that will go down I would think they would certainly listen and try to and if the price seems right at that point do it but you have to imagine even for Leonard you know he's got 20 million in dead money left on his contract is that you know a, a worth a first rounder to somebody yeah you know that's probably right on the cusp right because you know that's kind of what we've seen what it, it costs to dump you know 20 million in dead salary for a first round pick is kind of about what the market has been back in the day it was 10 but the cap was half what it is now so uh Damari Carroll had 30 million left but still was the guy who could play so if you wanted to say he had 10 million in value left so that's 20 million that's what the Raptors had to pay a first rounder to dump him so there's that I think is a pretty good rule of thumb and we'll see whether in fact that market tightens up even more with so many teams having overextended themselves in the summer of 2016 and now facing tax consequences if it can get down to 15 that would be huge for some of these teams that have space 15 million for per for first round pick and then maybe the 20 is more of a better first round pick would be interesting and, and if that's the case then portland doesn't really need to make that move now as long as they do vonley and that's why vonley is the most likely player to be traded because he just fits he fits all these things and it's not like losing him is is big for them because while there are still believers in his potential i still there's something that intrigues me about him he did some nice stuff at center last year when nurkic got hurt they have so many other options there i mean they drafted zach collins in the lottery they traded up to get him they have nurkic they have caleb swanigan who is a big man and they still have myers leonard so remember when he was actually playing for them <laughs> earlier in the year yeah i do but not now and and also like i think for them just getting another guard napier's having a, a wonderful year for them but just getting somebody else as another option to, they never even really replaced Alan Crabb. Napier does some of that stuff, but to get somebody else who can hit an open shot or do something like that, whether it's on a, a probably a buyout guy, would be so huge for them. Yeah, I mean that's really what they need is just one more shooter who can defend a little bit uh, on the wing. Um, any kind of like stretch four, stretch five option would be great. I mean the emergence of Napier really has saved them to some degree as well. Uh, I don't know. What, I don't want to think about where they would be without him, especially in those games that Lillard missed. But and last thing on them, actually two more things. They have. Basically basically five million dollars in dead money on their books right now they still have anderson verizhow uh on their books you remember that he got traded away from the Cavs a couple of years ago that's actually what led to him signing with the warriors was he got dumped by the Cavs and they picked up a, a first rounder from them and then festus azili still 333k for the next couple of years and of course nicholson is a whole seven years out at that 2.8 million pretty impressive for him to get stretched one year after signing a, a four-year contract so uh, and then also just we don't need to get into this too much but I think underrated all of these restricted free agents that they have and their money crunch I mean they're gonna be playing some real hardball with these guys in the offseason and I would not want to be a restricted free agent on their roster Ed Davis is also in a tough spot because they need to keep him but it seems like he probably won't be long for their team just because they have so many other ways to spend their money yeah. so they, that was the original idea that I had was oh they can trade Ed Davis that would clear even more money and do that but it has borne 
borne out that they need him this year and they have a reason to keep him so i think they will let's move on to okc now another team i don't expect to be particularly active uh the big watchword there is their 13.3 million dollars over the tax line and uh, since time immemorial kyle singler we talked about them potentially trying to cut bait with him he's got finally mercifully only one year left after this one at five million and then uh, has a non-guaranteed year the last year so it'll be an interesting question with him of whether you know they're very impacted with their first round pick obviously from the jeremy grant trade from the ennis Cantor trade years ago uh, minnesota and philly or no i'm sorry minnesota and orlando now have those picks and so you have to imagine though singler would be the watcher because if they could get rid of him right now their tax payment is going to be 24 million you knock that down you know he's got probably about two million left to be paid in salary this year and then you knock down that tax payment by another 11 million by moving on for him so it certainly makes a ton of sense um where are they in terms of their cash right now they still have all of it so they could do they could do some things there which which would be interesting and would be i mean they could really save some money but the other guy that i wanted to float by you is how are they feeling about alex abrinas he has been in the rotation at moments he was you know he played a little bit more at a point when robertson was out but then you know he's had a couple 20 minute 20 15 minute games but then he also has just had some marginalized when terrence ferguson especially has been out there and he is talented but he's getting 5.7 this year 5.4 and then is restricted i'm he is definitely less dead money than singler which means that you could attach a lesser asset to maybe get rid of him i don't know how they're feeling about that right now yeah in theory he's their second best shooting guard on this roster i know ferguson was starting over him but abrinas is probably still better than than ferguson i would say but yeah it's definitely you're going to be hard pressed to move on from anyone who's actually playing on this team even if some of those guys aren't great values because it's just how do you replace it now maybe the thought is they can get into the buyout market but they uh, unlike a lot of these teams are very limited they use their full taxpayer mle on patrick patterson and so uh, you know they're over the apron so they cannot uh, use the rest of their mle now uh, so they're really limited to minimums but they also can offer the chance to actually play on a good team for any buyout candidate so i mean i, I would have to imagine especially when you consider that they are just so limited in the first rounders that they can trade that you know what it's probably going to happen is sam Presti will say hey you know what second rounder will throw all your cash at you all the cash that you take on singler and hope that somebody bites and if they don't then tough cookies pay the luxury tax and when they put this team together i think that had to have been the idea was it's so hard for them to cut money they can't so to, to give a finer point on it they can't trade it first until 2024 unless it's inside protection and the inside protection will will be okay there just because you can you can do that and i would assume the first pick is going to convey to minnesota this year which means the second one the timeline will be 2020 but that's still a lot to ask for another team so we'll see where it goes from here but i think what presti told ownership was hey this is a team that's worth it we could do it for one year they don't know if paul george is going to stick around i also think if they traded somebody with actual value to the team that wouldn't necessarily look good for him as a potential free agent they have russ committed but they don't have him committed so yeah maybe there there's a way that they could move singler and get get back someone who actually could help them i mean what do you see as their needs overall if they were to try and go in that direction i still think they need another wing in their rotation just somebody who they can trust but what, in uh, okc really that <laughs> they're short on two-way wings in okc and the, the other one this is more of a minimum thing to me is another center i mean when steven adams went down he has been pretty yeah. durable over time but they don't have any other options and so just a minimum guy even if it's a regular season thing assuming he stays healthy would be a big help yeah their second units can really be taken advantage of because they're small and they can't rebound but they 
also don't stretch people out and so other teams you know it's not like oh man we're so afraid to put a center on the floor against these guys and you can do that and then just kill them on the glass whenever ever Steven Adams is out of the game so yeah I do think getting and that's something that might be realistic for them is to pick up someone who can play a little bit of center uh but yeah I mean you know some of those names maybe like Ursan Ilyasova for uh and they just got to throw something at the Hawks I mean maybe someone has interest in Josh Hustis who had his fourth year rookie option declined he's shown a flash or two this year but you know still a a guy who I think has a a long way to go um you know Dwayne Dedman probably the price would be too high for him and so you really again it would be great if they could trade a first round I mean that would make sense you know a lottery protected first rounder given where they are but they're just they really can't you know know, unless they want to start talking about 2022 uh they really probably can't do it unless they want to get super creative and say hey you know that Jeremy Grant pick that the Magic owned in 2020 that's top 20 protected will trade you like the other six slots in the lottery of that pick or something you know that's like and I don't know if a team would take that if anybody really is I mean maybe the Hawks would be interested enough and just kind of take you know flipping a coin on that gamble and and if it doesn't turn out fine you know then it turns into a second rounder or something later but I I really I'm skeptical that they can move off of singler without including a first round pick because they really don't have much in the way assets unless they wanted to even include like a ferguson or something which i don't think they would be one i don't think they would either i think they'll grin and bear it this year and then next year let's say paul george comes back maybe then they could use the stretch provision and that would moderate it because they could stretch him over five years or they could dump him and someone else could stretch him that amount of money is pretty tolerable for you know somebody might even have a trade exception or something like that that they could use yeah anything else to, to talk about with these guys i mean i guess you know james ennis might be someone that they could try to get again you know does memphis want to take on more money probably not uh so i you know i really just don't see maybe like a joe harris actually would be someone who could help them who will i said this ex before which was incorrect that he would be a restricted free agent that's not true but he's someone that they would have full bird rights on if they got him from the nets um and maybe a, a singler if they traded singler for harris i think that would probably work into the nets space maybe they could throw in another guy as well there but and you know again they would have to obviously give up some money and harris is worth something so it's all just about the price i mean this team has needs for sure they're very limited in terms of their depth that center you mentioned that some more shooting you mentioned that anything even pretending to be a two-way player uh, on the wing could be really useful for these guys but i'm just not sure if they have the assets if they're willing to go even further in but sam presti does have a record of making a move nearly every deadline he does and one challenge for okc that might lead them to making a move at the deadline rather than the buyouts is if they're looking for a wing i don't think many wings are going to get bought out because they'll yeah. get they'll get moved because there's so much value and so yeah. maybe Vince maybe Carter actually yeah could be someone i was actually about to say him yeah he's one yeah. because he's making eight million so you could see a circumstance where where he's either just gets left on the kings and just would rather be on somebody competitive or somebody else gets him because sacramento's taking on money for a future year and they got him more as an expiring contract but other than that i mean even like marco bellinelli i think marco bellinelli is going to end up on a team that can use him rather than getting bought out yeah uh you know maybe richard jeff Jefferson, who's not playing at all uh, on the Nuggets, although the Nuggets might not want to buy him out so he can go to OKC, who are theoretically their competition. So let's turn to the Nuggets now in a bit of a free fall uh, of late. In fact, they are out of the playoffs uh, as of uh, this podcast. Is that correct? Yes, they are number nine at 23 and 23. A yeah, half, half game, game behind the Clippers. And they're in a tough spot in kind of a similar way to 
Portland, except that they don't have a billionaire owner. And so what their challenge is is the. Oh Bob no, they that, do have a billionaire owner. <laughs> Stan Kroenke has plenty of money. He just doesn't, doesn't spend, spend it on it the Nuggets on this team. <laughs> so so they're under the tax this year. So that part they don't have like Portland, but they're looking at a significant bill next year. I have it that they would be over the tax in eighteen nineteen with Jokic getting his raise. So be, they'll decline his team option to make him restricted free agent, then pay him his money, so they don't have to deal with him being unrestricted. And if Wilson Chandler, Darrell Arthur opt in, so with those guys and they already have Gary Harris locked in they'll be over the tax even without Will Barton and Barton has been an important part of this team so the expectation with the Nuggets and this is hard to take in many ways is that they're probably going to be looking to unload money the fortunate thing for their fans is that they can unload money that is not particularly productive for making their team good this year yeah Fareed Arthur both out of the rotation those guys make over 20 million dollars combined Wilson Chandler he's got that player option for next year which we thought he was likely to opt out of the way he's played this year perhaps not so much uh do 12.8 million next year i mean i guess if we're gonna say they do have some ammo here danny i mean they've got hernan gomez who's out of the rotation right now malik beasley they're probably relying on him to take barton's place next year i don't know if anyone has any interest in tyler Lydon. probably not i'm guessing um yeah, they have Emmanuel Moutier as well. I mean, this is really the time to move him. You would think with the emergence of Jamal Murray this year, it's clear that Moutier probably has more value in trade than he does to the Nuggets if there's a team that wants to take a chance on him, see if it give him a year-long audition as a potential starting point guard whom they could re-sign in restricted free agency or, or get on a cheap extension. So they, they've got some assets. Do they want to attach those assets to guys just to dump salary for next year? Because they have no. there's no issue with the tax this year. They're only $6 million bucks over the cap so no issues there um but the question is do they do that or they try to make this team better i mean there's a lot of pressure on this team to make the playoffs paul Millsap not due back until at the earliest after the all-star break and who knows how well he's going to play coming off that wrist injury once that happens so and they definitely need a two-way option on the wing big surprise this is in fact this entire division seems to to need that um except maybe the jazz so uh, i think the usual slate of candidates here come to mind you know a james ennis or a, um you know i'm not sure that tyreek really is their kind of guy um if the jazz consider themselves out of it you know I, I don't think you know maybe joe johnson but again you know i think they have enough scoring on this team I and mean, they need somebody who can defend the best threes on the other teams and on the list of guys that i would consider to be available i think that you know ennis is probably the only guy who really fits into that you know west matthews maybe someone who they could try and trade for um and throw in a hernan gomez or a Beasley or something like that uh, as because Lyles has supplanted Hernan Gomez and I still am a believer in Hernan Gomez's potential he's kind of his year ruined by that mono issue so maybe for Reed and Hernan Gomez for Wes Matthews you know that could be a construct that might work and Matthews could start for them doesn't give them much tax relief for next year but you know we'll see whether they're actually willing to pay it for one year or not but I mean there's a lot of pressure on this team to make the playoffs there's a lot of pressure on Mike Malone I'm sure to make the playoffs so they I mean you have to expect them to do something I think to try and shore up on the wing just a little bit and I mean Chandler having really a difficult season is probably your number one choice of someone that they feel like they could upgrade something else they could really use is shot creation on the second unit especially if it's somebody that is under team control for more than one year because if they don't think Moutier is the answer then going in and playing at all by the way right so Will Barton can be that guy for this year but other than their own first round pick when we consider the tax burden on this team they're not going to 
have many mechanisms for that. So I would say that's not a primary target, but but an interesting secondary one if the right player were available. And those are certainly more numerous than wings that can fit fit what they're trying to do. So it is really about what assets they want to want to kind of put to bear on this. And they have significant ones, but what are they willing to use now? And then what do they want to save to keep as ammunition to do the later stuff that it sounds like they're going to need to do? Oh, you know, we've totally been forgetting most likely to be traded in this. Um, well, it was Vonley for the Blazers, right? Yes, definitely. Singler, I guess, for the Thunder. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be singular, I think. Um, God, you know how expensive it is that Nick Collison is is a player on their roster rather than like an assistant coach? Well, and not only that, but like they need that roster spot. Like anybody who could play at all, I mean, just any backup center that they could have gotten for the minimum instead of him on that roster spot would actually be contributing for them right now. Is now so. a time for me to bring up the stat that I didn't mention, even though it's near and dear to your heart, about how much the, uh, as of right now, how much the Ronnie Price guarantee is costing them? <laughs> There's never a bad time for that, Denny. The Ronnie Price guarantee at this moment with their current bill is costing the Oklahoma City Thunder $8.5 million this season. That's bad. Yeah. Incredible that they gave him a second year. Incredible that they cut him. Incredible that they didn't before he even played a game for them to keep Samaje Kristen, right? Like, and it's not even like, and now Samaje Kristen isn't even on the roster either. It's not like, oh man, this guy was so unbelievable. Like he just seized the backup point guard job by the horns. And then that they didn't stretch Ronnie Price either when they're just in this tax hell for these next couple years i mean really pretty remarkable there i mean obviously sam presti has had a number of coups over the last year and a half or so so you can't really complain too much but that one was certainly a a head scratcher um so back to the nuggets so most likely to be traded for them huh my instinct is to go with a sweetener because they have so many options for the veteran salary to move but i'm gonna go with darrell arthur anyway yeah see i don't think it makes sense to move either chandler or arthur until the offseason when they really do start to run into the tax concerns i think the only way those guys get traded is if they actually get someone back who can play and throw in an asset as well um and they the other thing we didn't talk about too is you know barton is going to be a free agent we already said they can't afford him i mean is there some chance that they would just try and move him and be a little bit more of a seller mentality especially with this recent downswing i mean especially if, if they continue to lose games like this you know maybe they will start to say hey you know what like we could move on from him maybe we'll get back someone who can still play uh maybe they feel like they can just try to play Hernan Gomez at the three that was kind of their plan at the start of the year um not his natural position but nonetheless and you know you know actually I think I'm gonna say Moutier actually would probably my guess I think it's me Moutier oh that's um, a good call yeah. yeah I might and also Barton's full bird rights are valuable to another team right. it's it's something yeah. that's and be- not so much to Denver because of right. their constraint yeah I mean I, I would I would seriously consider moving him. I think I no who had Denver in our mock deadline last year because they made the big Millsap trade. It was I know it was Feldman was one side. Uh, I think it might have been. Was it me? I think it no, might have been I would, you. I, I'm always the sellers. I think I was I I traded all those guys from Miami. Yeah, so I think it was Feldman actually. Yeah, but yeah, no, we created this great team with Dragic and Millsap on it. Uh, th- that was a pre- and didn't have to give up Murray or Jokic. That was actually a pretty badass team for the Nuggets last year. Uh, but you know, and they didn't uh, ex- and they didn't crazy. have to pay mason Bumley. yeah i mean sometimes during the dog days in march i mean we won't do this as a whole show but maybe like we'll just break it out after at like the end of like five shows in a row uh to just pick out like the the best and worst deals of the first two mock trade deadlines to just like make fun of the people who made awful deals uh as, as at least as they would have turned out um but yeah all right so yeah I, i'll go with moutier on the nuggets and i'm gonna change mine to moutier too because the logic yeah. is there 
Yeah, I mean, if he's not playing at all, like, and I think he has some modicum of value, you know, even if you get a se- only a second rounder for him at this point, it seems like you're probably should do that. I mean, you know, he does, in theory, he does make sense as a third guard behind Murray and Harris if they have to move on from Barton in the offseason or if Barton moves on from them, perhaps more accurately, as a free agent. So maybe, you know, just getting a second rounder is not enough for him. Maybe they feel like he still has potential. But certainly, you know, in terms of all the on-off metrics, Moutier has been a very negative player uh all three years of his career are you ready to move on to the jazz let's do it so the jazz are about eight million below the luxury tax they have all 15 roster spots occupied at at the moment and they are in an unusual place because of how much variability is in their 2018-19 books they have non-guarantees for tabo cephalosha who is now out for the rest of the season with mcl surgery Jarebko. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to eliminate his guarantee in my projected salary for them right now. Yeah, so you have him, Jarebko, and Udo, and I think those two who combine for about eight million, those are looking good. I think those those numbers for right now, depending on how Utah sees it. But then they also have restricted Rodney Hood, Dante Exum, Hull Neto, so their books can go all over the place. They have I I ex- I expect them. Somebody was talking about this with me on Twitter. I expect them to function as an over the cap team next year, but that. Can change in the drop of a hat depending on how they see this and that's part of why the Rodney Hood stuff I think Mark Stein was the first person I saw talking about it is so compelling because I thought they would just wait him out wait out the restricted market and do it but as I've said for years now if you're not sold on a restricted free agent you should trade them before that point because it's a lot harder to trade them once they're on that contract even if this is a tighter market than it was in 16 and 17 when some of those guys got overpaid to hit on your earlier point if they moved on from Hood, Exum, Derek Favors, who you have to imagine will not be back and is a guy who rumor has that they're looking to trade, and Exum, you know, all their restricted free agents plus Favors, they would have 17 million or so in space. And then if they wanted to move on from Jarebko and Udo as well, though as I agree with you that those are value contracts, they could get to almost 25 million in space for this team without giving up really anyone who I think they would view as essential. Now, Hood, I agree with you, has a lot of potential. Just reading the tea leaves, you get the impression that they just are frustrated with his inability to stay healthy um, as I would be too uh, at this point I mean whenever he gets rolling you know he'll miss a couple of games he just you know hasn't had any major injuries but he's really you know muscle pulls knee sprains ankle sprain it's always something you know every five or six games with this guy there's always seems to be some kind of an issue uh, and you know if he's going to stay healthy they, I don't know that they can really keep him that way who does have a small cap hold for another team you know his, his cap hold is only seven million dollars next year so so that's really not too bad if a team wanted to acquire them even a team that's trying to use cap space and build around young players um who would you see as potential suitors for hood around the league i mean everybody needs wings pretty much i yeah. mean th- th- that that's you could go in so many different directions yeah. with he's him. not really a three though which maybe no he's a two market a little bit even even at six eight he's got a pretty short wingspan not really a physical defender and, and probably i think with the struggles to stay healthy projects perhaps as more of a bench guy i mean there's so many teams that I could use him but the big question is going to be who if they're willing to move him who gives up the best asset and also yeah. are are they will is utah willing to make a bigger deal because something that i've been looking at with them is i've been eyeballing 2019 as the year for them to spend because that's when rubio and alec burks come off the books so they'll have mitchell will be closer to his prime then they can have a much clearer idea of what they want to do with rudy gobert ingles contract actually declines so if they want to go in that direction then they could use maybe hood as a part of the vehicle 
or favors Johnson, all that kind of stuff to add some money next year. And they could actually really do some stuff here, but they could also make a smaller deal and just say, Hey, anybody willing to give us a first? Yeah. And that you would imagine that would be pretty close to the price there. I think they would pull the trigger on that just again, due to the health issues. You know, if he could stay healthy, it'd be worth more than that. You know, certainly a team like the Mavs is one that you could look at. I think actually maybe Phoenix could be a potential destination when you consider the superfluous first rounders that they have and how many young guys they have already. Um, you know, he's a little redundant with Booker, but if you're looking at him as a bench guy and, and also just a guy who can shoot the ball, I mean, that's what Phoenix desperately needs is someone who can space the floor a little bit. Um, you know, Indiana is a cap team next year, but, you know, again, could use somebody off the bench and that $7 million cap hold really isn't going to kill your cap space too badly. So a lot of teams I think could be interested in, in him and then hope to get him on a pretty decent deal if he's been injured a lot of the year uh, as well. It's you know who a has a co- of, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You know who has a couple no. of late firsts and would be an interesting one because he's a restricted for agent. The Atlanta Hawks. Just he'd be a late a late entrant into the Hawks University, but I actually think he'd be a wonderful fit for what they're doing. Yeah, and and they have a, a solid medical staff there as well. They've got that P three installation that's going up there now. You know, Philly would be an interesting one too with only a seven million dollar capital. Maybe they would feel like they could get something done. What about Chicago? I mean, there's been talk that Nikola Mirotic could be coming to the Jazz. Dennis Lindsay, I think, said recently that when they traded Trey Lyles away, they knew they were going to be looking for a 6'10 guy who could shoot, and Jarebko is just not quite that type of player as an outside threat. Um, Mirotic for favors has been talked about, but the Bulls wanting a, a first-round pick back. But I wonder whether the Bulls would just say, hey, we'd take Hood for Mirotic instead. Hood is quite redundant, of course, with Zach Levine. They have a very similar game. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Hood, even if he is a two, would still be immediately the best three on the Bulls roster. I mean, I could throw him, honestly, on half the teams in the league without yeah, even... it's really without... true, right? He'd be a nice fit on San Antonio even, too. You know, I, like, that's another one where, again, not the kind of move the Spurs would usually make. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of teams. And I think, especially if you're a team... I mean, the difficulty comes from if you're a team that's more of a rebuilding team, then maybe your first is too good to give up for Rodney Hood. And if you're a bad team who's already going to be capped out, then, you know, perhaps his bird rights are would be worthwhile for you. So it's uh, very interesting to see here what's going to happen with Hood. Um, anything I was going to say on him, or we should talk maybe about favors as well. We can talk about favors. So he is certainly a big which position and whether that matters is in the eye of the beholder. 12 million flat this year, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So his bird rights do have some value for the right team, and he can contribute to the right team. But big men are just o- overflowing in the league. So while he is unusual in the talent and the expiring contract, he is not like there's no team that's just aching for a big right now that I can think of. So that's what leads to the idea of the surprising, like the the rumors that he was being part of the of the Mirchich trade, where he you know he he's probably better than being kind of more salary filler, but value is value because of scarcity. Yeah, I mean there would have, Joe Johnson could be another one maybe who would be salary filler if there's a Mirchich trade involving Hood or a draft pick. But uh, yeah, I mean favors. It's tough to say really because you know if you're going to be a cap team, you're not that interested in him i think he could actually really help the bucks uh but the bucks you know are really gonna again they're already out that pick for getting blood so and so i'm not really sure that that's something that's gonna work that well uh, um he could really help the thunder also but once again the thunder just don't really have the type of asset much of this i think also depends for utah i mean they finally had a nice win against the clippers at home the other night but they're still quite behind everyone else i mean i think they're seven games under 500 right now and so they have a much easier schedule coming up and rudy gobert is back now which helps them but you know 
they're going to be hard pressed to get back in the playoff mix but if they can do that between now and february 8th that's going to make a big difference to what their mindset is going to be but i think they have no illusions about where their team is right now they got a big star in mitchell he and gobert could be a nice core and so you know now that you say this i'm really starting to think of them more as a cap team as a team that could very easily have 25 million in space next year and then you know even if they really had a big fish interested they could stretch burks they could trade burks or rubio as well if they really needed to create even more space than that and this you know for a utah team that traditionally has not been a free agent destination they'll be one of the better destinations of teams that that could have cap space this offseason so it might be the time for them to strike potentially just given how limited the market's going to be for a lot of these guys can you imagine how intriguing their defense could be in a couple years because one of the big ways to spend money in 2018 is on those two-way two guards and if they could get one of those guys next to donovan mitchell and rudy gobert be really fun yeah so they basically have all their own picks you know i don't see them you know miritich is an interesting one and he would impact their cap space obviously in the summer 2018 but i'm not sure that they could do better than miritich for 11 or 12 million or so uh is the space that he provides is certainly would be very worthwhile for them they've got rudy gobert behind him to help maybe limit or limit some of his defensive issues yeah this is becoming a very intriguing team where they really looked like they're in purgatory but now with mitchell maturing into this force especially if you want to play him at the one opens up a, a lot of ideas here uh they could also go the direction maybe if they're out of it of just trading trying to trade jarebko and yudo just get some try to get maybe a pick back again probably a second rounder there's no way you're getting a first they could try to go the trade those guys for some bad salary you know and maybe that gets you a first maybe if they're out of it you could trade jarebko and yudo for Darrell arthur and hope to get something you know maybe they could get hernan gomez in that deal from denver uh, but I'm not sure that Jarebko or Udo really helps that De- helps Denver. So never mind. I mean, well, they can use Tabo as ballast as well. Yes, no, you're right about that. That's and that's probably even more more likely. So maybe we'll see a, a move like that potentially. There's just so many directions that they can go in. I kind of wish they were just a little bit more in contention, and then they would really be fascinating because they could go in either direction. But I think again with Donovan Mitchell, they have hope now. They've got Gobert under contract for three more years after this one. They can afford to build slowly and not just try to chase the playoffs this year and i mean they know from having played golden state in the playoffs last year how good they are there's they have no delusion grandeur i think with this team and and they're not under the pressure after that body blow from hayward like a team like the clippers or denver or even maybe portland is to make the playoffs this year so i think and they this they have a lot of job security here as well so i think that they will probably go more in the future maximizing direction than trying to get better for this year and they have a lot of expiring contracts too i mean they could even get up to over 20 million dollars oh, 30 million dollars in expiring contracts they don't do that's how they could of course get to having all that cash yeah i mean they, they could be the facilitator also in a deal a three-team deal or anything else like they should just be in almost every conversation because of they are the, basically the only team one of the only teams that has expiring money and might not have a desire to be a cap team though they could be i mean they could do it either way and you could even fold a miritich deal in with other stuff like they can make this as complicated as they need to to, to do it I, they, I, yeah i mean they're maybe to me the they're not the most interesting team because a lot of it is theoretical potential but the options available to them might be more than any other team also intriguing is that in the last few days dante exum has been cleared at least for non-contact drills so you'd imagine that maybe he could be back within the next month or so whether you know he would want to play together with mitchell i mean i think mitchell has so far surpassed him now that i don't like the fit of those two guys together that much with exum's shooting 
pitching struggles and so but exum could be another one of these guys like we were talking about with moutier where a team might just want to take him on and try to get him in restricted free agency for a low price and see whether he can be their point guard of the future instead of you know whereas the jazz i think hopefully they're going to view mitchell as that with exum the ideal trade fit there would be a team that doesn't need that doesn't need immediate cap space but has the ability to pay him so like orlando would be an option here because his cap hold doesn't matter at all to them but restricted rights really do yeah and exum actually has a huge cap hold 14 million so right uh most likely to be traded i guess i will go with favors simply because you imagine there's nearly no way that he's going to return his bird rights could be valuable to a team there are a a lot of teams that could kind of use him, and then also just simply the fact that it's been reported that he's been in some of his talks as well so that's why i would go with favors but you know really seems like half this roster could be on the potential i agree with favors we've heard that and also it makes intuitive sense because i've i don't think i've heard a single thing saying he sounds like he wants to resign there so if a player is going to leave they have gobert back at this point and if they lose gobert again then they're going to be probably going in the other direction anyway so i don't think there's much of a reason to keep just better their draft pick at that point i mean Ah. favors is almost counterproductive right so yeah i would say he's most likely let's get to the wolves a team i don't think we expect that much from them uh they don't have much in terms of money left for the buyout market there's six million dollars over the cap right now but the greater issue of course is that with wiggins extension kicking in next year that max extension but but yeah i mean they do really have a lot of needs to me depth on the wing shabazz muhammad has been such a big disappointment for them and they are going to play jimmy butler and andrew wiggins a lot of time but just having another another player who can be part of the solution there and more floor spacing at the forward positions is is going to be an issue for them it might not even be in the starting lineup just have other options and Nemanja Bielitsa is a restricted free agent I have no idea how they're feeling about that right now yeah it doesn't seem like he's someone that especially because he's a little bit older I think he's going to be 30 once he reaches this summer hasn't amassed much of a resume I think he'd be you know kind of a one or he's making three million or so now I wouldn't see him doing much better than that and not for maybe longer even than like two years or so unless there's just some team that's really fired up for him and he might even just want to go back to Europe as well I mean I think he's a guy who has a very versatile game in Europe and was a EuroLeague MVP and just standing around on the perimeter while all these guys chuck shots and shooting a spot up every once in a while probably isn't really that fun for him yeah that could be that absolutely could be and and him like the other problem when an older guy is restricted something that you and I both don't like is that he could just see such a low market that he's just going well well screw it I'm not going to wait this out and see where it goes yeah well his qualifying offer actually though that's true would be uh 125 percent of what he's making now so they, that would actually be over four million for one year you know that might that's probably enough that he might end up just taking that uh and so it's quite possible that he just wouldn't get a qualifying offer next year given you know and we'll see how he finishes the rest of the year he's been injured for part of the year but was a part of some lineups that were effective for them early uh you know and gives them another option off the bench rather than uh Gorgie jang so uh but if they were just they do have they don't really have any extra picks they owe their 2018 lottery protected pick which is going to go from the adrian Payne trade to the hawks but then they have a replacement of that basically which is okc's pick so it's going to be almost exactly the same pick they might actually even move up a slot there getting okc's lot of protected pick from the rubio deal via utah which was originally in the ennis canner trade so they're basically pick neutral going forward uh i don't see them moving a first rounder but i could see them you know trying to move seconds and get a, just a little bit more depth for this year but anyone that they would need to re-sign you have to imagine it's not going to help them much but they're another team that just needs backup wings so desperately 
And while they have the means somewhat to do it right now, just in terms of underneath the luxury tax, they don't have an exception that they can really use there. And they can't do anything in terms of a a multi-year commitment. So it's going to be very hard for them to make this work. They'll probably just have to get the best guy they can on the buyout market. I think that's where it's going to go. Hey, remember that Justin Patton exists? Uh, He had a good game in the G League, I think. I think I saw that on something recently. Yeah, his his overall stats aren't great. Uh, 53% true shooting pedestrian rebound rates uh getting a lot of block shots that's really the one thing that he's been doing probably still right for a big two actually uh and, and a higher usage so we'll see i mean he's played 15 games in iowa started five of them uh, but not hasn't done enough to where anybody's gonna be like champing a bit take him on, i'm sure not like they could use og and anobi instead oh yeah um i mean just in terms of the usual names that are available i mean all the ones we've been talking about uh and james ennis is one you know and we don't even know if memphis wants to move him necessarily either i think they should given where they are as a franchise but they might want to try to keep him around you know tyreek evans certainly doesn't do them any good i think because they already have too many creators on this team if anything uh you know joe harris was a guy who i think we mentioned could be useful marco bellinelli might be someone they would look at Uh, harris has a little bit more size and and defense than bellinelli i think at this point in his career um but certainly those guys could play a little bit of three for you on a bench unit um yeah i mean i'm not really sure who else really would tickle uh, tom thibodeau's fancy right now as gm it's a bad thing to have as your largest need because there just aren't other options uh most likely to be traded for these guys because i i really don't see them doing much but you know it could be wrong bielitsa more like yeah bielitsa yeah i mean because now is probably not the time to move cole aldrich i'm sure they would love to because he has two million after this year but it feels like that if if, if there is something there it'll be available in the offseason you know for next year jamal crawford has a player option which he of course is going to exercise you would imagine yeah next year even looks so ugly because i was thinking oh maybe what they could do is trade aldridge and take on someone who makes seven million through next year give someone a little relief but also maybe get someone who can play a little but even that i mean i don't think they even really have the space to add someone who makes seven million dollars next year over what aldridge make I me mean, he's probably going to get stretched anyway i mean they're four million dollars into the tax next year without even before they do anything i guess well no i'm sorry that's incorrect if they moved on from bielitsa they would have about three million left in room before the tax uh and that's with a projected waiver of Colch. So maybe they would feel like, all right, we can take on someone who makes a little, maybe a little bit less than Aldrich next year. You know, someone who makes five million and give a team a little bit of salary relief. Um, but I, re- I don't think so. That seems unlikely. But I will say Aldrich would be my most likely to trade. Okay, <laughs> okay, indeed. It's, uh, we can end it with a bang here. Don't forget our sponsors, Indochino. Use that cap space code. Get any premium suit for just three hundred fifty nine dollars. That is custom. Actually fits you well. Helix Sleep. HelixSleep.com slash cap space gets you fifty dollars off your custom mattress custom is the theme of our advertisers today don't forget about the mock trade deadline coming up hopefully have our first one out on tuesday night tomorrow we'll catch up uh, on some news and also do the last division the central which of course that'll include the Cavs. so that'll be pretty interesting the bulls miritich as well so lots of interesting stuff to talk about detroit looks like they might be trying to make a move Uh, so the the central is pretty interesting i think so that's why we saved it for last and we will talk to y'all then Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 